Over 150 years ago, the issue of human slavery divided our United States. Well-to-do Americans could legally own other not-so-well-to-do individuals, owning their children also. Now, I say individuals because slave families could be separated if it suited the owner. Today, another group of well-to-do Americans are being accused of another kind of slavery. We call it eye-slavery or digital addiction. And the biggest number of slaves in this case are our kids. We point to Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the like, big tech companies of Silicon Valley as being the eye-slave masters. But in order to own slaves, you have to be able to get slaves. And that brings up today's bigger question. Are we as parents complicit in this 21st century eye-slave trade ourselves? Are we actually the financiers and the brokers between our own kids and these Silicon Valley eye-slave masters who enslave our kids by appealing to their carnal appetites, their habits, their addictions, all while providing us with a convenient digital babysitter that destroys brain matter, personal relationships, emotional health, and spiritual well-being, and if you didn't catch it, I do also add division within families there. We'll talk about that today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, your wise and safe haven of parental bliss where we avoid all controversial topics <laughs> and lull you into a sense of peace and tranquility when it comes to being a Christian parent in the 21st century. Ah, would that it were so. <laughs> Actually, our job is to help you address the more challenging topics that parents in reality have to deal with every day. And we do that to the best of our abilities, all from the perspective of a biblical worldview. Our host on the program is Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel, and Trace, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect for a lot of parents these days between their child's digital use and his or her behavioral abnormalities. Uh, now, when I was growing up, a popular phrase was, you are what you eat, meaning that uh, what you consumed had a great impact mm. on what you became. Why do you think more parents aren't making the correlation here when we're talking about what our kids consume in terms of entertainment and technology? And mm -hmm. I'm particularly talking about Christian parents. Well, in my humble opinion, Rich, the short answer is that they simply don't want to. It's the it's too big a battle to fight. It's easier just to go with the status quo. Uh, these aren't good reasons, if you ask me. Uh, a longer answer might be, uh, you know, from my experience anyway, is that a lot of parents are seeing junior's attitudinal and behavioral problems getting worse whenever junior's smartphone or other devices are taken away for disciplinary reasons. It's as if parents don't realize or don't want to realize that the device itself might be the greater culprit rather than the fact that it was merely taken away. So when junior seems better behaved and more content with the device than without the device, life gets easier for parents at least for a little while. Uh, but that's just kicking the can down the road. Because living with a drunk can be easier, too, when the drunk is actually drinking. Uh, living with a heroin addict can actually be easier when the addict gets, uh, gets to shoot up. And in the eyes of too many parents, living with an entitled spoiled brat is easier when Junior's getting what he wants. Uh, parents make the mistake of, of thinking that when, you know, when Junior's smiling, they're actually succeeding as, as a parent. And, you know, foolishness and sin can can keep a lot of people smiling for a little while, and, and this certainly includes our kids. You know, as adults, the, the Bible would call these people fools. It also says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Yeah. You know, we, we know that as God's people, you know, we shouldn't be exposing our kids or ourselves to things that are going to harm us. You know, too much of even a good thing can do just that. Uh, and I understand that, you know, we, we all have things in, in life that, that bring us hurt, but some hurt we actually need, like discipline. Uh, but God can actually use our hurt 
to bring us greater long-term benefits, and he often does. Uh, But harm is quite a different thing. Uh, Working out in a gym is not designed to bring us harm, just the opposite. But it's going to bring us some hurt if we're doing it right, right? I mean, no pain, no gain. Every gym has that sign hung up in there. A doctor or dentist might bring us uh, some short-term hurt. But, but neither the doctor or the dentist are going to harm anyone. They're not there to harm anyone anyway. And we, and we all know that there are things that actually feel good and, and taste good and smell good and sound good and look good that aren't at all good for us. And I think there's a case to be made that we can actually provoke our kids to anger by giving them access to things like smartphones uh, that they aren't emotionally ready for or mature enough to handle. Ephesians 6, 4 talks about this very thing. Colossians 3, 1 says a similar thing. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Yet... When we give our kids the the kind of unencumbered access to everything perverted under the sun, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, via these addictive adult toys we call smartphones, I think that, you know, not only are we provoking them to anger, but we're exasperating them too. And just ask any kid who's ever contemplated suicide uh, because of what's happened on, on her smartphone or his smartphone to prove my point. And then there's, there's Matthew 18, 6, which records, you know, one of the scariest things to ever come out of the mouth of Jesus Christ when he said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble who believe in me, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown in the depths of the sea. So as responsible parents, whether we're believers or not, we might really need to rethink our kids' digital protocol for their sake and for our own. Yeah. Well, joining our conversation today on this topic is an expert in the field of mental health, families, parenting in the digital age, and over-device use. He uh, provides advice to millions of people through regular television appearances, radio and print media appearances, books, and private sessions. He is a straight shooter. He's very passionate about helping families, whether in crisis or just in disaccord. And he wrote a book called Disconnected that uh, we think hits the nail on the head here. His name is Tom Kirsting. Tom has a bachelor's degree in psychology from St. Thomas Aquinas College, a master's degree in counseling and human development, and a second master's in administration and supervision, both from Montclair State University. He also holds a Ph.D. in clinical hypnotherapy, uh, alternative and non-traditional, from Kona University. And in his spare time, when he wasn't buried in his studies, I say that tongue-in-cheek, Tom was a semi-professional baseball player. He's uh, still an avid golfer. He's dedicated to fitness, which is why I have asked him to stand up for the entire program today. (laughs) Tom, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Oh, that's so funny. Actually, uh, thank you, guys. I actually am standing right now. Whenever (laughs) I do interviews, uh, I just feel much more comfortable sort of pacing around in a room. Okay, well, lecturing okay. in front of a crowd. Well, we'll be we'll be checking your blood pressure and your your heart rate as the program <laughs> commences. Well, Tom, uh, many articles and books uh, have now been written and documentary films produced. Uh, there's there's been some stuff produced right here at Shepherd Hill about uh, digital technology uh, and how the un- unencumbered access to it uh, affects brain chemistry and whatnot. What does your book bring to light that parents need to know about uh, most these days? Well, first off, um, you know, when you talk about there's a lot of stuff being put out there nowadays, I actually started lecturing on this topic. This upcoming March will be 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. First time I gave the first lecture, yeah. believe it or not. So essentially, you know, it, 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 what I write about in the book, it's what got me into this space is when I started seeing a tremendous amount of teenagers being diagnosed with attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. uh, many years ago. And I knew something was wrong, and I stumbled across some research indicating that all of this screen time was changing brain neural pathways and creating inattentiveness, lack of focus, and so forth. So anyway, 
presently, the reason that, that I, I put out this book uh, almost two years ago is because what I'm seeing from a family perspective is just discord. Um, right, right now, if I, when, I try to, when I'm giving my lectures and stuff, I liken the typical family of four in America nowadays as four individuals living under the same roof, staring at a screen that don't really know each other. Each individual person, the dad might be looking at his phone, yep. the child's watching YouTube, the mom's watching television and so forth. And we're really, we're really lose. That's an important component here is we're losing the important family dynamic that right. is so essential. In the opening, you know, Rich used the term I slavery. Is that an unfair term? And was that an unfair analogy with respect to our kids, our parents and digital technology yeah. today? Which I think it's a very fair term. I've been doing a lot of segments on Tucker Carlson's show in the evening about that because he's really big on tech tyranny. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the tech industry out there, the big, all the big companies, I don't want to name them. You know, they're, they have really one interest in mind, and that is to get, to get the eyeballs of everybody, kids and us, on their screens and on their devices as long as possible so that they could make more money through advertising and so forth. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about uh, Sean Carter, for example, from Facebook a year ago, went out on record stating that they knew darn well what they were doing when they were designing Facebook. They knew that it was going to cause you know, substantial problems systematically in our country and socially, emotionally, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yet they put it out there anyway. Well, the guy who helped financed it, uh, finance Facebook, he's on a big campaign now to, to try to bring people back to some sanity about this thing. And the, the guy that helped uh, invent this, the, uh, the smartphone, he made a statement basically says, I wake up at night in cold sweats wondering what in the heck do we bring into the world? Yeah. That's right. I, I read about that. Now, that's definitely not the, the norm. I could promise you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you look right. at some other stuff out there, the, the, the media stuff, there is, for example, a Waldorf school out in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't use any kind of technology, which is rare in classrooms today. It's purely pencil and paper. And 70% of the students in that school are the sons and daughters of Silicon Valley tech executives. Right. And I think that really uh, strikes a nerve in parents when they hear that. I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, but can you share with our listeners some of the things that are actually happening to their kids' brains by mm-hmm. virtue of early or unencumbered access to screens and keyboards? So, you know, one of the issues is this, right? So the human brain, if you've ever seen an image of it and you see those tree branch-looking things, mm-hmm. um, those are called neuropathways. Now, right. each one of those, those tree branches is critically important to human functionality. You need one to be able to focus. You need one to concentrate. You need one to communicate, you need one to cope, and so forth. Um, what happens, the way the brain works, is the brain, any brain that's involved in, in anything considered highly stimulating for three hours or more per day, the brain will grow new neural pathways to adapt to that environment. Right. Now, the average child today is spending way more than three hours per day on a regular basis in what I consider the most highly stimulating things, and that's technology, they're spending nine hours a day. So their brains are actually changing and adapting to this cyber world, and the problem is it's unadapting to the real world, which is why we're seeing the ripple effect of anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, suicide, and so forth. Yeah, when you add multitasking to the equation, I think it's like 11 hours that they're really spending. And, and they think they can get more done multitasking, but uh, MIT has, has proved that they're about 30% uh, less effective when they're multitasking. The brain was, was built to do one task at a time, and, uh, you know... I, I hear kids all the time say, I can't, I can't do my homework unless I'm listening to something in my headphones, you know? And I'm thinking, that's like a drunk saying, I need a six-pack before I can get to work. I mean, why were libraries silent? Why, you know, you had to have silence in libraries so that people could actually clearly think and process without thought. Without distraction. Without distraction, yeah. So we've proved ourselves addicted uh, just by virtue of that, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, even though when I was a kid, we only had four channels of TV that you had to get a... 
you know, off the couch and changed the channel and then it came in clear when they moved the rabbit ears around, you know. My dad would call that thing back in the 60s and 70s the idiot box, claiming that, you know, he noticed our senses as kids get duller the more we watched it. Did he have a point back then? <laughs> Absolutely. I grew up in that generation as well, um, you know, 70s, 80s. And when, when I was younger, we had a 13-inch black and white TV with four channels that my brothers and <laughs> sisters and I would lay on the floor and stare at. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, when you, when you hear about, you know, what your, your father would say, the dumb box or whatever you call it, it's kind of like if you could see it from the outside, just watching a 10-year-old just staring, hypnotized, fixated on the screen that's only 13 inches. Fast forward to today, and you got everything in the pocket and the hands of these kids. Oh, and yeah. if you come into where I live outside of New York City and you go down the streets, it seems that every single person, adult and child alike, is now walking with the 13-inch screen that's only about four inches in full color, yeah. um, transmitting every possible thing you can imagine as they're walking, dodging cars. And half of them are wearing headphones, and it's like you don't know if they're seeing you, hearing you. You know, it's like they're in their own world. It's crazy. Exactly. That's another, you know, the whole headphone thing. When you back up to what you were just talking about, when I, last, I gave a lecture last night and the night before, and every time I do give one of these lectures, lectures, a parent will say, well, my child likes to do their homework while listening to music. You know, they say it makes them calmer. And I'll say, and, and what do you think about that? And I'll say, well... When I'm at the gym in the morning and I'm on the elliptical machine and, I have, and I'm trying to read, because that's what I like to do when I'm on the elliptical, and Van Halen comes up in the background, um, <laughs> there's no way I can digest any page I'm reading right, right now. Right. So I'm not right. sure how your child is pulling that off. Well, I, I let them know that's the tip-off, that they are addicted, uh, and you need to you know, maybe uh, take that into consideration. But in 2008, it was the year the smartphone came out, former Education Secretary Bill Bennett said that America is rapidly becoming the kind of nation that civilized nations send missionaries to. Now, do you see America's digital advancement causing a retardation of our citizenry's civility in any way? Oh, without a question about it. I mean, you just look at the divisiveness in our society right now, mm-hmm. right? So when did, when did something like politics all of a sudden become the mainstay right. in everybody's life right, right. right nowadays? I don't remember when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, even in my 20s, I couldn't even tell you what, who was a Republican or Democrat and what did I care. Right. And now, you know, because of social media and the, the, just the, the deluge of information that's being transmitted, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, I like to use the term sheeple. Because people yeah. are becoming so easily swayed and easily led I call them that they're not making inf- yeah, informed decisions on their own. They're allowing you know, half of this news that's not even real to get into their minds and create decisions and beliefs for them. Absolutely. One of the things that we want to do, obviously, is equip parents to be able to deal with the, the problem that we're discussing today. And um, the, the one thing that we found is it's very hard not only to get parents on board in one household – but to get parents on board societally to deal with this uh, problem appropriately. So uh, let's say that parents want to start restricting access to the smartphones, limiting uh, screen time and that sort of thing to their kids. How do you respond to a parent who says, it's fine and good if I do that, but my daughter is going to be able to access all this stuff on her friend's device, even if I say no to her own device? Yeah, I mean, you know, the answer to that, it's kind of like, you know, when my kids were younger, my son's 15 now, um, you know, he wasn't allowed to play Call of Duty with the neighbor next door who Good was, who was Good like eight years you. old. I mean, my kid was my son when he graduated eighth grade, was the only kid to graduate without a phone. And my mm-hmm. daughter, who's 12, is the only sixth grader in her school that doesn't have a phone. Probably the only one and, who has um, a job when he's 32. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So, um, 
you know, and people are like, wow, you know, so it's, it's really a conformity thing. I mean, I'll, when I'm giving a lecture, like I did last night, I'll ask the crowd, I'll say, who here thinks it's a good idea for a 10 year old to have a smartphone where you have access to everything you would never want them to have access to raise your hand if you think it's a good idea yeah. and never has anybody raised their hand in any lecture I've ever given. And then I'll explain. I'll say, oh, okay, great. We all agree that it's a bad idea. Did you know that the average age of first smartphone issuance is age 10? And that pretty much every one of you in this room, you know, you think it's a bad idea. Your child has one. How do we explain that? <laughs> yeah. Well, conformity. We do what everybody yeah. else does. Yep. I need to jump in here real quick because we do need to take a break. I just wanted to mention, though, uh, Trace and I would, would fully agree and admit that we are not immune to all of this. I'll tell you that in our family, we've seen digital creep uh, coming in with, you know, uh, smartphone technology or even just phones interrupting daily life. We have gotten to the point where, as a family, each week we have a family night now, and my wife very wisely set a box out right by the door and when our grown kids come over when our kids who are still at home are there everybody puts their phones in the box for our family night and uh and we we make our meals non-digital events also but you've really got to to monitor this 100 percent of the time or it will creep in and take over we are uh talking today about uh, a book called disconnected it's by our guest tom kirsting Uh, You can find that book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy your books. You can also learn more about Tom's work on his website, TomKirsting.com. That's Kirsting spelled K-E-R-S-T-I-N-G, TomKirsting.com. And uh, we'll be back with more conversation with Tom about the book Disconnected when Licensed to Parent continues. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media-Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media-captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org.
You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. We are talking today about a book called Disconnected, and uh, we're speaking with its author, Dr. Tom Kirsting. And uh, incidentally, if you uh, would like to find out more about our program and things we've had to say about this unfortunate topic of, uh, of digital addiction, we have done a number of programs on that, which you can find at our website, licensedtoparent.org. And uh, Trace, uh, several years back, we had Dr. Archibald Hart on the program, and back in 2007, which was before smartphones came out, Dr. Mm-hmm. Hart published a book called Thrilled to Death, and uh, it, it centered on a topic called anhedonia. We've talked about that before, which is basically the overstimulation of the pleasure centers in the brain. And I, I guess the long-reaching impact of that is the more and more we stimulate those pleasure centers, the more and more it takes to stimulate right, the pleasure centers. Right, kids become insatiable. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, that's led to depression to a number of, uh, of mental disorders, to suicide attempts, and, and much more. Do you see that as, as playing in greatly to our conversation today about this slavery? I mean, is, is that why the slavery is taking place? Yeah, you know, people have called these things digital addictions. There's uh, digital dementia. Uh, Hart uses the term anhedonia, which most doctors only understand it as it pertains to schizophrenia, depression, and drug addiction. But it's kind of flipped with all this digital stuff. Tom, are you aware of this? Uh, I mean, he, Dr. Hart would claim that 80% of, the, of America, this is back in 2007, would be, you know, unless you're Amish, uh, would be uh, struggling with this. And I would say today, if you're a teenager, it's like 100%. Uh, can you expound on that? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if, you know, we are pleasure-seeking people, of course. I mean, who doesn't want some sort of pleasure? Right. Um, the problem is the pleasure is now in the pockets of our kids 24 hours a day. Yeah. And I'll give you some examples of, you know, you want to talk about addiction and how we can, you know, allay that to this. I have parents bring their children in, 14, 15-year-olds, that seem like nice as pie, these nice, sweet kids yep. who are very polite. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell me that there's, the kid has 10 or 15 holes in the wall in their bedroom because anytime they take away the Xbox or something, the kid freaks oh, yeah. out and loses it. I have countless stories like that. Kids break, taking a kid took his knife to his dad's $3,000 guitar and threatened to cut the strings. He didn't get his his Xbox back, another kid jumped stopping on the coffee table. Those are all signs of addiction. That's a, that's a form of withdrawal. Now, because your, your pleasure is being taken away from you, the, the withdrawal effect of that is, is in a form of violence and just a, a, a total instability. You know, here at Shepherd's Hill, you know, we process over 500 calls per month for parents seeking help with their child's behavior, emotional, psychological, and spiritual problems, perhaps only two or three of which can round up the, you know, the funds uh, for this level of therapeutic care. So say we processed 500 calls last November. If smartphones had the same legal restrictions as other addictive devices like gambling, smoking, drinking, etc., and were banned for kids, effective immediately, how many calls do you think that we'd have to process next November? All else remaining the same. I would, I would, I would, I would probably cut the number by uh, 80%. Because when you look at... <laughs> You know, I mean, I look at the, the amount of anxiety stuff that I'm getting in my office, the amount of depressed kids and violent behavior and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and it's gone up. I mean, statistically, I, you know, I, I've probably had double the amount of kids with anxiety in the last year than the previous 15 years combined you know, with major anxiety at a lower age level. Yeah, yeah I, I, think I think your phone lines would, would, would shut down substantially. Substantially. No, I, 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 I totally agree with that. Uh, because prior to 2008, we didn't have that many calls coming in. Uh, 
So I mean, and the things that the kids are dealing with, it, anybody here will tell you how much more complicated things are. But you know, you mentioned anxiety, uh, which of course a lot of kids are are struggling with today, and and that of course leads to depression. Depression leads to things that are even worse than that. But doesn't that or can that come from just having too many choices, which leads to indecision, which leads to anxiety? And so you got you got a kid who's got you know, a million different choices because of digital technology. Am I onto something here or if I, if I missed yeah, something? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's part of the concoction. You know, it's like they're pulling their hair out, but they don't know what to do next. There's 500 different things to do. Right. But on top, you know, there's, there's more, there's more layers to it. Just kids, because they're spending nine hours a day, they're falling behind in their homework. Mm-hmm. There's tension at home. They're comparing themselves to everybody else on social media in a very important developmental stage, which is just fueling, you know, the, their, their natural insecurities that you're supposed to have. And, and squaring it, and now you and, and essentially what you have is an unraveling of of, uh, of the mental and the emotional being. Mm-hmm. Most kids tend to be like lemmings and follow the crowd. I think most parents are doing that today with respect to uh, their kids' digital habits. What can parents do to uh, encourage their kids to take the lead uh, toward a more healthy and balanced digital protocol that uh, maybe they could influence other kids to not have their brains wired up like a robot? Well, you know, one thing, one of the chapters in my book, Disconnected, is, is called Raising Leaders and Not Followers. Yeah. And um, the whole idea is if we're allowing our kids to get something because everybody else has it, like, the, like for example, Call of Duty, because now all of your friends have it, even though uh-huh. you're only 10 years old. What we're essentially doing is we're setting that kid up to be a very good follower of the crowd, mm-hmm. Okay. So that when that kid becomes a freshman in high school, he's now much more likely to, when everybody's in a circle smoking marijuana, say, okay, I know how to follow very well. So what I like and what I've done with my kids when I try to preach is teaching them to be leaders. Don't look at it as if you're missing out on something because everybody else is doing it. Looking at it as yourself standing out, making decisions that are based on your moral fabric that we've taught you. That's good. Well, we are about out of time here, I'm sorry to say. But, uh, Tom, it's been a a pleasure to have you with us on Licensed to Parent today. Uh, Your book is called Disconnected. And what's the best way for people to find that? Uh, Through the the main booksellers or would you rather they go to your website? The best way, ironically, is online on (laughs) Amazon.com. That would be the best way. Yeah, Amazon is the – and you can go to BarnesandNoble.com too, but Amazon is the best seller of these things right now because – they seem to be controlling a lot in our society, as you know. That's a whole other discussion. Yep. Just just don't look to the left or to the right. Yeah. Only go straight there. <laughs> Again, the book is called <laughs> Disconnected. Uh, the spelling of Tom's name, it's Tom Kirsting, K-E-R-S-T-I-N-G. Now, Tom, your website, TomKirsting.com, also has a number of articles and other things that uh, I'm sure our listeners could benefit from. And uh, I understand it's uh, the, the site is under a bit of reconstruction right now, but uh, we will send folks that way nonetheless. Yes, sir. Much appreciated. Okay, God and thank you. you. And, of course, this is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. It's our goal to export some of what we've learned so you can be more intentional as a parent and, with God's help, avoid the need for a residential program for one of your kids. You can help the work continue through your gift to Licensed to Parent. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We've said it before, I'll say it again, it bears repeating, residential programs are expensive, and your gift could help families who can't afford residential care for their teens get the help they need. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button and thanks. 
Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else or something else will. God bless you. See you next time.